This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning. Uh, I, 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 I think we're live. I think we're having a few technical issues here this morning, guys. It must be the cold weather. So I think we're live. I think and I hope and I'm sure you are joining us here on the um, Digest Weekly Podcast. You might notice that technical issues have, um, have all, all, well, split up the gang of, you know, four, basically. And now it's a, it's a very happy trio. Um, and joining me this week are the two Duns, said and done. Matt Dunn, football aficionado from the Daily Express, and my colleague Andy Dunn, chief sports writer of the uh, Daily Mirror. And I'm hoping at some point we might see the interjection of the of, of the Yorkshire comic, also known as Jeremy Cross, chief sports writer of the Daily Star. Um, guys, it's been yet another remarkable week, hasn't it? And um, uh, to, to look back upon, to ponder the fallout, I mean, I have to say, uh, yesterday was an amazing, amazing day. I went to Swansea, Man City, and then listened to the, to the radio commentary on the way home of, of of one of the games of the season. Surely, Jeremy, you're with us. Thanks so much. Sorry, guys. No, no, no. Here we go. I was, I was explaining we, we, we've had some technical me. issues. We've had some technical issues. These technical issues are so bad this week. It's even wiped out my boiler. Blimey. Back back in the day, if you were too cold in the office, they'd send you home. I'm not quite sure what they do with home working when it's too cold. Um, but anyway, I'll, um, I, I, I digress. It's been an amazing week of football to, to warm the heart and, uh, and, and, and soul, really. When we talk about these kind of, you know, terrible times and, 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 and the pandemic, everyone's stuck at home. We're fortunate enough, of course, to go and see some games. But really, Really, football is serving its purpose at the moment, guys, isn't it, really? I mean, honestly, where to start, really? I do think we should maybe perhaps, you know, have a look. I mean, everyone, I think, is still catching their breath a little bit uh, from uh, Goodison last night, really. So let's start there, shall we? Uh, One of the, I mean, you know, the naysayers on the FA Cup, well, I'm sorry. You've just lost the argument in in, in 120 glorious minutes there. You know, Everton 5, Tottenham 4, the scoreline the drama, the sidelines, the stories. Uh, Andy, tell us, I mean, you, you know, you, you've written the match report this morning. Mm. I mean, I don't know quite how you manage that, pal, on our deadlines, but I mean, <laughs> blimey, on anyone's deadlines, it's, it was an astonishing feat in itself, really. But what a game. Talk us through yeah. it. Man. Just wrote it and then fingers crossed, really, after Bernard <laughs> had, had got the ninth um, of the goals. I, I mean, you know, it was just, I mean, it, you're right, it, it was, you know, and it was a game that the, this FA Cup um, fifth round really needed. I mean, I mean, you say about the naysayers in the FA Cup. Well, you know, before that Everton five Spurs four game that I was at last night, you'd had some really, really forgettable games. Um, in fact, I can't even remember who Man United were playing in that game on Tuesday night. Obviously, West, West Ham. Ham. But yes, I know, I know. But I was being rather facetious there. And but, but Man, <laughs> Man United, West Ham, um, Leicester, Brighton, Sheffield United, whoever that was. You know, I do think that the midweek has affected it. I do think it's a step too far in this sort of dilution of the FA Cup. It should have its own weekend. 
And that's why you did need that game, you know, and it was almost Everton Spurs to the rescue. Who would have thought it? Jose to the entertaining rescue. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> that was how he designed it. But, you know, it was a game that, the, 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 in terms of the FA Cup, within the, if you want to put it in the context of the FA Cup and what it means to that competition, then what struck me there was on a bitterly cold night, um, you know, in a game that, that when you think that both of these teams, maybe their priorities might lie, in trying to um, get a top four position, you know, when fourth place looks attainable for both, really, uh, you know, including Everton. I was absolutely um, heartened by the fact the commitment of both sets of players. It really was astonishing. You, you know, you've got players, players ran themselves into the ground last night, you know, Decore, Davis for Everton, um, Hungman Son for Spurs, um, Sanchez even, I mean, basically everyone who stayed on that pitch for their 120 minutes ran themselves into the ground on what was quite an inhospitable night. So inhospitable that, that, that it was obviously too much for Gareth Bale to make the trip up north. But what we had was two sides totally committed to, to the game and to the cup. And that's why it was such a lift last night. The FA Cup needed that. It was a proper FA Cup tie. Two managers, to be fair, who behaved themselves last night as well. I mean, Ancelotti always does, um, but Jose Marino was... Well, I wouldn't say magnanimous in defeat because he was far from it, but he wasn't over the top. He didn't really complain about any injustice in terms of decisions. And it was just, a, you know, it was a cracking game. I'll tell you what is interesting though, John, is that, is that it's almost, you know, it's one of those games that Jose Marino will hold as, you know, um, exhibit A when he's defending himself for <laughs> nicking 1-0s and 2-0s. He'll say, well, look, here, here you go. Here's exhibit A. Here's, here's when I told my boys to go, you know, gung-ho, show a bit of adventure, get on the ball, have 50% possession, you know, um, be attack-minded. We scored four and we conceded five. And that will be, and he'll be saying, right, you know, we all know his famous quote about, I think it was Arsenal, wasn't it, when they won 5-4 and he said, mm. it's a hockey game. He takes his teams off. Training. He called it a disgrace, Danny. He called it a disgrace. I think, didn't he say he, if, if there's a training match that gets a three-all, he, he, he calls it um, to an end because it's no longer a football match or he probably wish he could have done that last night but you know and he'll use that but having said yeah. that you know I mean if I'm a Spurs fan you know I was looking at that and you know was, would it not for some let's say questionable keeping from Larice, some pretty ropey defending from ironically you know including the likes of Sanchez who actually scored twice on the attack certainly first 20 minutes for example you know and throughout the game really attack wise they look better than Everton and they'll they, they, when they look back in the cold light today they'll think how did we lose that game? But yes, bottom line is, it was a great game that the FA Cup really needed. Mm. I'm not sure I completely agree, really, because you know what I think about the FA Cup, but maybe we should come on to that in, in, in a moment, really. And I think think looking at the running of people by this week, John, put together, John. of course, maybe we, we we will come back to it. But, um, yes. but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeremy, I mean, you know, you know, following on from that, what did what did you what did you make of, of last night's drama? I mean, it's just an amazing game at Goodison, isn't it? Well, firstly, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. First, I, I, was, I was chuckling to myself, sat on the sofa, and thinking, thank God I'm not, not there. <laughs> I mean, as great a game as it was to watch. You wouldn't want to be covering that as a journalist, given the fact he went to extra time and it was a late kickoff to start with. But <laughs> now, listen, it was, it was probably one of the best games I've seen this season. It was gung-ho, won it from both teams, and really shoddy defending, which is not like Spurs, really. The, you know, not a Mourinho. I think it's the first time Mourinho's... A side managed by Marine has conceded five goals since 2015. So, you know, most out of character for Tottenham. But also, 
you know, they, they, they took the game to Everton. They, they got themselves back into it when they looked dead and buried. They, they contributed a lot to that game. Now, that won't come as any consolation whatsoever to Mourinho this morning because, you know, any team that concedes five goals has clearly got major issues at the back and that's something that's going to be the downfall this season. So, you know, I mean, you, they're due to play City out in the Carabao Cup final. Just imagine what City are going to do to... To a top team that defends like that, it could be embarrassing on that Wembley pitch. So, um, you know, he's got issues to resolve and the play City actually at the weekend. Mm. So, you know, he's got not got much time to sort things out. But look, great for Everton. They're desperate for a trophy. I think it's 20, 25 years, is it? Sorry, Dunny. 26. Years. Yeah, 26 since they won anything. But they've got a great chance, you know. There's some, good open, isn't it? In it. There's some good teams left in tonight's draw, but... You know, when they play like that, they're, they're, they're a force. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. Matt, you you, you might think that the basic this show is, it show is thrown together. In many ways, you'd be right. But I, I actually wanted to deliberately leave you to last, to offer you the last word on Jose, simply because, you know, we both probably do. We both see a lot of Jose on the Zooms, don't we? We both see him a lot post-match, you know, pre-match, We've seen a lot of Spurs this season, hell of a lot. Where are, where is Spurs? And I mean, you know, you also take the barometer with fans. I, I mean, I'm of a view slightly that basically fans will stomach Jose and Jose's style and football when they get the results. When they don't get the results, not not quite sure, Jose. Not sure, Jose, this is working. Where, where, where are we with Jose? Where are we with Tottenham? And where are we with Jose and Tottenham, most importantly? Well, you talk about unpopular managers. I still remember Spurs fans chanting man in a raincoat, blue and white army for uh, when George Graham was in charge because they couldn't bear to mention his name. Um, and he won them a trophy. Um, uh, it was slightly uh, different, Matt, wasn't it? Slightly I mean, there was a particular personal reason for that. <laughs> but he's the same. he was the same sort of controversial appointment in, in a way. But Mourinho delivering them uh, the Carabao Cup's not going to cure... The, the haters and bring them round. Uh, what well, I think Sunday's a really big game. Uh, Saturday, sorry, Saturday evening, isn't it? Mm. It's a really big game for him because mm. he's fighting off this dinosaur tag um, and proving he's still relevant. And he's up against his old foe Pep Guardiola. And if that is as much of a mismatch uh, uh, as it could be, then it just throws a new light onto where Pep is now as a manager, where Mourinho is, uh, and. You wonder whether he is really this this top on top of his game winner um, that that he still aspires to be. Um, he's had great moments during the season where he seems to be a genius and have uh, worked things out, um, uh, and he pulls a load of results out. And then he he goes on runs where you know last night's so uncharacteristic. Second best, you know, Man City's the best defense in the Premier League. Spurs is the second best, and yet in a big cup tie, you know he seems. You know, if he has told them all to go gung-ho, why? He's the manager, not us, not the fans. You know, he should be setting the agenda on the way he wants to play football, you know, and take it or leave it on that. So it just, he doesn't seem as commanding as he once was. And and I think Saturday could be quite a big test of, of where Spurs really are. Yeah. And what City can do to teams, then I think there'll be quite a lot of questions about where Spurs are heading. Um, after weekend, that says Ted, knowing Mourinho, probably win the game, um, and uh, you know, and it's all Jose's brilliant again. Um, it, it, it's a weird one. And 
Do you think? Do you think it's the right match? Do you think it's the long term no, no, match? The wrong They're match. in a cup final, aren't they? They're still in Europe. You know, I don't know. Just before Christmas, they were top of the league. They're out of the FA Cup now. We we, we kind of get that, but I, we, we, we I, I think this season is this season. But basically, beyond that, I'm not sure. Do you, are you? We, we sit there at White Hart Lane uh, in that empty stadium, that bowl of a stadium. If you imagine, I, I was thinking this when a very tepid performance against an inept West Brom team that should have been hammered. They were there for, for the taking. Uh, Crikey, and, and this is sort of, friends of Sam Allardyce. Well, that, that, well, that, that, I mean, the defence were all over the place and what's <laughs> going on there will probably come on he to. He said maybe. they played really well and there was lots of positives, Sam. I think he has to say that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry, otherwise, otherwise he'd just cry. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but that aside, you know, we're sitting there and all we can see is emblazoned on three levels of that great stadium, the, the motto to dare is to do. And if that's not the anti-Mourinho message, then I don't know what is. It's not a great... It was an... Levy saw it as a, an essential step to take Spurs from being also rans to genuine contenders. They needed a manager to win things. That's what Mourinho was. That's what he appointed. Um, and Mourinho needs to win the big ones. I think he's pretty much now focusing on the Europa League as his salvation. It's his step into the Champions League. It's a trophy he's always won um, and makes a lot of store by that. And if he can get them into the Champions League by winning the Europa League at the end of the season, then it's job done. Anything short of that, and there are going to have to be questions because when fans start coming back into that stadium, he's had a free hit of it this season. He was supposed mm. to get them in the top four. Um, yes, great win trophies. That's, that's also who's there, but it's the big trophies that they're after now. It's what Pochettino got pilloried for aiming for. Mm. Um, but, but Mourinho waves around a Carabao Cup at the end of the season and says, look, I'm a winner. I, I don't think many people are taking that seriously. Um, and, and next season with fans back in the stadium could be a very interesting place, make that a very interesting place indeed. You don't think it's enough to win the Carabao Cup? They can't wave for the Carabao Cup and say, yeah, look at me, I'm a winner. Not when they've missed out on the Champions League. Champions League and Carabao Cup, yeah, that's okay. Right, top four, basically. Jose Marino can wave the Tilly Wings trophies one against his son and claim he's a winner. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I must say, I disagree with you, Matt. Jose believes he's a winner. Yeah, this is why why we have a discussion. I I disagree with you, Matt. I I personally think 2008, that that, you know, was the last time they won the trophy. That's the stick that Spurs are beaten with. What was the trophy? What was their previous what was their previous but, but John, what happened to Wanda Ramos? You know, thirty yeah. years, thirty years since they John, won John, the I'll come back again because I know what happened to Wanda Ramos. Oh I know, I know. I, I agree. See, I, I can see that. Next, I'm not saying but it's just it's just everyone forgets that, Matt, don't they? Oh, everyone yeah, no, forgets I'm... that element because we're focused on the trophy. Yeah, yeah, but but that's why I'm saying if Jose gets here, the Carabao Cup perhaps gets him through the summer and he'll mm. talk his way into saying, look, I've got you trophies, I can do it. But September, October, November, that time next season, when they're out of contention in the Champions League, playing door football that nobody enjoys, and there are fans back in that stadium booing on the final whistle. And I think Levy's seriously thinking, you know, this isn't working. Yeah. Rossi, what's the issue with Bale? What is that becoming now a real talking point? He wasn't even in the squad last night, was he? I, I just, I just find it bonkers, and I do think. Look, listen, it's clear that there's, a, that there's a, you know, a, a, a roadblock between manager and player. 
But I think that Jose Mourinho has been so short-sighted here because this was a vanity signing. This was this was a superstar signing made by the owner of the club. You know, I should say, sorry, the chairman of the club, Daniel Levy, basically. He was desperate to bring back Gareth Bale. I'm not saying that Jose Mourinho didn't buy into that. But I just think, as a manager, don't you have responsibility, you know, to, to try and make that work? I mean, yes, we can we can talk about how much football Gareth Bale has lost in Spain. We can talk about how, you know, in, in recent times in Spain when he has played, he hasn't been at the level, he hasn't been at the intensity, and maybe we're seeing that in England now. How do you get that intensity? I'll tell you how. You start games. He's not even given him the chance. And I, I feel that that's deeply, deeply frustrating. You uh, Listen, you won't find a bigger Gareth Bale fan than me because I just think that we don't cherish and respect what he achieved as Britain's greatest ever footballing export. He won four Champions Leagues. He, he scored the most incredible overhead kick and scored twice in the final against Liverpool. He won that Champions League final and he's won four. For, for Real Madrid. The guy's a global superstar. Yes, he arrived at Spurs injured. Yes, he arrived at Spurs half fit. But I'm sorry. You, you've got to try and make that work. And he hasn't. He really hasn't. How is Gareth Bale going to get up for it if he's not even going to be given the chance? I mean, it's just, that for me, in, in a nutshell, is, is Jose all over. It's the same as Shevchenko at Chelsea. Exactly it's the same. Game as well, Alex. When they, when they signed him, everyone, I presume everyone on this podcast was really excited about seeing him back in the Premier League. Absolutely. You know, a player who developed his game so much in Spain and we thought, God, oh, this is going to be exciting to watch. It's just been such a letdown. <laughs> Where does he go from here, Bale? Well, MLS. Podcast. MLS. Well, for start off, listen, for start off, he goes back to Real Madrid. He's a Real Madrid yeah. player. He's not Tottenham's player. You know, why should he care about Tottenham? Why should Tottenham care about him? Listen, this is fact. Oh, Danny, there's history oh, Absolutely. He's he's a player they borrowed. I mean, he is a player they borrowed. He doesn't. Jose Mourinho should have no particular loyalty to Bale. Tottenham should, and and neither Bale to Spurs. He's there as as a matter of convenience to be home while he's not being played for Real Madrid. He's a Real Madrid player. I mean, let's just get this right. He is a Real Madrid player. There is no, there is no argument with that. And and, and basically, if for example last night, uh, Jose Mourinho said that, that Bale said that he thought he'd be better off. Um, working with the sports science guys, he didn't feel quite right. Now, listen, let me tell you one thing. If you're a Spurs player, if your contract is with Tottenham Hotspur full-time, you're not doing that. Now, Bale's looking after himself. Bale's probably thinking about the Wales games next month. Bale might be thinking, you know, about, well, you know what? Guess what? I'm I'm, I'm going back to Real Madrid. That's where my contract is. Spurs aren't going to sign me full-time. I'm not going to join them full-time. I'm going back there. And hey, they may have a new manager next season, Real Madrid. They yeah. might have a new manager. I might be there. I might be winning my fifth Champions League medal with Real Madrid next season. Do you think I'm going to go up to Goodison on a freezing cold night and risk getting injured when I feel a slight twinge and put all that in jeopardy? Or maybe he's thinking, you know what? I might get a full-time move to China at the end of the season. Am I going to risk any of that to go to Goodison on a, on a Wednesday night in, in February for a kick around in the FA Cup? And get, he's not because he's not Tottenham's player. Full stop. He's not Jose Marino's player, full stop. And that is just the, you know, I mean, so Bale is looking after himself. Bale is looking after his own career. What he sees that the way he's going to go. If we get annoyed, and, and I know many people have written this, oh, you know, you know, he should be chomping at the bit to sort of make this work at Spurs. Well, why? 
I mean, why really? You, you don't feel there's any romance in the move. No, I, I personally do. I really. Oh, do. it's looking very romantic at the moment, isn't it? For good. Well, listen, there won't be many cards exchanged between Bale and Spurs this Sunday. Let me tell you. Well, that. there won't be many cards exchanged between Bale and Mourinho. But you cannot doubt, in my mind, you cannot doubt Tottenham's affection for Gareth Bale. And that goes beyond the eighty-five million pound transfer. Yeah, maybe a bit of nostalgia, a bit of old, old-fashioned romance. I mean, but that's. that's well, I just think Bale time. turned up there with an agenda, an agenda to go and play for his old club and to prove Real Madrid wrong. And I don't think he's been allowed to exercise that agenda. We can't even get a game of golf in, can he, Dunny? Well, exactly, man. They're open in Spain. Can you imagine him now? Look, can you imagine him looking? I wrote this last week. Can you imagine him looking now at the weather forecast and at Campo de Madrid or whatever the golf course? <laughs> don't don't worry, boy. He's probably, probably, he was probably, he's probably, probably too cold to play golf and, and free on the QT. Two, boys, don't don't worry. <laughs> Orange balls. <laughs> we mocked him for playing golf. Blimey, well, what you would give now to be sort of like, you know, do, not playing for Real Madrid and playing golf? Mm. I think the acid test on the Gareth Bale thing, and I agree with a lot of what Donny says, I, I think that Gareth Bale does is very single minded. Uh, and the most important person in Gareth Bale's life is Gareth Bale. Um, it's not Tottenham. Um, I'll be interested because because running Gareth Bale as close second in Gareth Bale's life is Wales, and I'll be interested to see what player declares himself fit and then steps over the white line against Belgium next month uh, for Wales, and whether Spurs fans will see the player that they ho- they were hoping for when he pulls that red shirt on, um, uh, because that seems to be what he's lived for in the last couple of years, um, football wise, um, uh, and I think if Spurs fans see that. <laughs> that'll probably irritate them even more because, yeah, it's not working. I, I, I think you're right. I think Gareth Bale's decided it's not going to work at Spurs with Jose. Um, Jose, don't forget, has managed a few decent players in his time and got some of the best football out of them. So that's Andy Ibrahimovic, that sort of player. So he can manage the big stars, um, but this isn't working. And I think Bale thinks that... Uh, Mourinho thinks that Bale's swinging the lead a little bit, uh, and his focus isn't there. Um, uh, and I think that, like I say, the you know perhaps that's what the twinge is. It's keeping him fit for next month. Uh, and let's see what happens in that international week and what Gareth Bale we see then. And I think that'll give us a clue as to what's actually happening at Spurs. Yeah, it is interesting. And I must say, you know, looking at some of the the, the comments, guys, that are coming in from people watching the show. Um, you know, Christine Allen here saying, honestly, I res- lost respect. Mourinho, when his rants became a thought, throwing toys out of the prime exercise, he can't comment as a professional. There's too much of him and sour grapes. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, really, um, how, how how people view it and see it. And I do think that basically the fans out of the stadium at the moment has become something of a salvation, as Matt, as Matt you alluded to. Is um, uh, otherwise, I do think. Mourinho would have a full-scale revolt on his hands. Now, as a board, how do you judge that? I don't I don't know. It's a, it's a really difficult one to carry. But I must say that we must move on to, to, to Manchester City. Listen, I was at Swansea last night to see Guardiola chalk up two more milestones in one, basically. 15 straight wins across all competitions. Now, to clarify this, because I, 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 it took me a while to get my head around it, it's obviously across all competitions, they were joint level with with 14, obviously, with Preston. 
from the 19th century and Arsenal from, from 1987. <laughs> I've probably watched every single one of those games. I don't actually, uh, I don't actually remember that record. Well, I did watch every single one of those games um, in person. And, um, and, surprised <laughs> me, John. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 frankly, I don't I don't remember it. And what struck me as you know, I'm not de- decrying that 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 achievement in any way because the levels of consistency you have to get to. What struck me as even more incredible was was Marie, uh, was um, <laughs> Mourinho wishes Guardiola. Um, that that was his two hundredth win as Manchester City boss last night. Two hundred wins. For Manchester City in less than five years. I'm thinking that can't be mathematically right. That cannot, some statistician there at City's got that wrong. And they really haven't. And to do that, in 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 as I say, I mean, you, you're talking an average of more than 40 games a season because we're not quite at five years yet. Well, it's just an astonishing achievement. I think we saw Anfield how good Man City are this season, how they've stormed back in the last couple of months. They are mind-blowingly good. And I actually think that they're on course at the moment, the way that they're playing, to perhaps raise the bar again from the back-to-back title-winning seasons. I just, you know, my match report, you know, from Swansea turned into a love letter for, for Guardiola. You know, so, so admire and respect what, he, what he's done for English football, let alone Man City. I just think it's it's a remarkable achievement. Are are, are we back to those levels, uh, Andy? I can see you slightly, <laughs> slightly turning your mouth up and slightly <laughs> no, not going into me, getting in, getting so carried away. So tell us. No, no, it's lovely, Bobby. We were born in the summer of love or something. I mean, like, yeah, God, always, mate. Well, mate, I mean, love honestly, not war. Listen, no, what what I would say, I, no, I'm just, uh, <laughs> listen. You 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 saw that game um, last night, and I remember seeing the previous um, FA Cup round when they won at Cheltenham. Um, and when you get the team sheets, like you probably got it yesterday, and you look and you think, "Blimey, you know, Pep is taking this competition seriously." People then put out on social media, "Pep is taking this competition seriously." It was the same when they played Cheltenham. You then check, and there's been. A whole raft of changes. Seven last night. Game. Seven last night. Guys, seven last night. The game that the game rounds at Cheltenham. There was ten changes. Ten changes yeah. from the previous side. Mm. I think only Phil Fogan, actually, of all people, started that game in Cheltenham. And I actually looked at it, and I actually sort of said to, to the lads there, to, to, to people, "I said, blimey, you know, he's taking this seriously." And then I realised he made ten changes. So what that sh- just shows you is that he the, the wealth of talent he has at his disposal is incredible. Now we will point out that he's had two injuries this season that have been, you know, that, that could otherwise have been critical. Obviously, Aguero's been missing for a long time. Um well off and on, but mainly, mainly off. Um and obviously recently Kevin De Bruyne is injured. Mm. But that is it. I mean, l- l- let's get that straight. You know, realistically now he does have a relatively he's had a relatively good spell without his injuries, which means he can feel that those two separate teams. He's got an incredible um, array of talent. He spent a, an incredible amount of money over the four and a half seasons he's been here. But what I would say, you know, so they're all the reasons why they should be doing well. Yeah. But what what where I I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you and totally in agreement with your your love letter this morning today's Daily Mirror um, is. Is it, it, what I'm Valentine's Day come early? Is, it, it is pal. So <laughs> it, 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 is is that what, what I totally agree? Is they 
no matter what team he puts out, whether it's the team with seven changes last night, the team with ten changes at Cheltenham, <laughs> the team who plays Liverpool um, last uh, Sunday at Anfield, or the team who plays Spurs, the Etihad this Saturday, they play the same way. So he's got all these players playing in exactly the same way, the same um, fluent, entertaining, quick passing, incisive way, and he's got them from one to twenty-five in the squad. So, mm. so and and they can, they all do it, and they play a brand of football that is just so great to watch. You know, mm. I, I mean, it, since since he came to the Premier League, um, you know, City to me is the hottest ticket to go and cover because you know. You're not going to see a dud City performance. Well, you might do, but you're still they're still going to they're still going to, they're still going to die trying. You know they are still going to play their football, and if they get beat in that, you know it's like when I saw them get beat five two by Leicester, believe it or not, at the Etihad earlier this season. They still played really really well. You know when they went to Spurs, you know and Spurs would love a repeat of that performance earlier this season. They still played really really well, and that and you know you're always going to get that. And I think that's that that that's his that's his drive. It is, as much as the trophies he's won, the triumph is really to turn out a team that, that you look at it and you just go, I'd watch this team. I'd pay to watch this team as the, the way they play. And when you come on to the 200 wins, John, it's a remarkable number. But I think, for you know, we, we, I think also what we must remember is that I never thought that he'd have 200 games here, never mind 200 wins. Well, you know, why? Why? Well, well, I season. gave him three years. I mean, I'm, right. not, I mean, I'm not being for. I, I think I probably wasn't alone in thinking. Right, mm-hmm. if, if you had to have a bet when he signed for City, how long will he be here for? I would have said three years. I was surprised mm-hmm. when he was there for a fourth. I'm surprised he's going to be here for a, that. He is here for a fifth, and it, it seems like he's going to be here for a sixth, possibly seventh, possibly eighth, which would be fantastic. And we're very lucky to have that team playing as they are. You can't imagine a, a manager taking over and playing the same way, can you, really? It's hard no, you can't. to, to you imagine. Can't. No, so no, I think totally in terms can't. of the 200 wins, what I would say is that I just think we've been very lucky. And listen, you have to caveat the success with the amount of money they've spent, which is a fortune, you know, which is you know, one half billion pounds or something. They're, they're no, I, must say, I get slightly wound up by that. But, simply, but simply, they're playing yeah, just great I know, I know. Simply, I, I personally, listen, you know, I... <laughs> I, 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 I'm not. Compl- yeah. I don't really absolutely agree with that. That basically you can buy the title. I, I, I think that's the common accusation. Of mm. course it helps. Of course it. Of course it does. I mean, funnily enough, I was talking to talking, talking to a manager while I was in the press box, and he said, "Oh blimey, yeah. Well, you know, he's been decrying his sort of bad fortune of late, and basically I was sort of saying where I was, and he said, "Well, you know, blimey, if only I had his money, sort of thing." And it was just, it was. Um, it, it, I mean, yeah, the, the the money contributes, but I just think that Man City have raised the bar, and I think that, that it's just the way that they pushed in, in English football is something to behold. I should stress at this point: this is not this is not a holiday romance, and a Pep is for life, not just for Christmas. And and I I had my doubts. I, I'll admit this in his first season because you know I saw them lose. I always remember this at Everton. I thought this ain't working. This ain't, they got stuffed at Everton in the first season. Earlier this season, you know, I was thinking, you know, in the autumn when they were languishing in the lower reaches of the table, I'm thinking, what are they doing giving him a new contract? I'm, I'm not sure that he's he's feeling it. 
and the, and the way Jeremy, I think they've roared back this season is, is is what's really caught my eye. It's like the the second summer of love to carry on the Valentine's theme, but it's just a it's just amazing. And I mean, I I think don't you think that they're basic? They are pushing the Premier League on again. Will you be sending Pepper Valentine's card this weekend? It's already sent, mate. You're not. I'm not, you know in London at the moment. Unfortunately, you can't rely on the post. It's been well documented, so I had to get it in early just to make sure it arrives. Yeah, look, it's hard not to fall in love with that team, isn't it? You know, even even the- are you falling in love with it, Jeremy? Yeah. I'm lucky. I see a lot of City cover a lot of their matches. It's a privilege to watch them play. I mean, in this season of all seasons, when we've seen really freakish results and weird things happening, you know, they go and reel off 15 straight wins. I mean, that is mm. that's an astonishing achievement. Mm. You look at watch them play. I think the biggest compliment you can pay them is they are they don't they're not even missing De Bruyne or Aguero. Oh, I mean, yeah. De Bruyne would get into any side in the world. Let's be honest; he's a Rolls Royce of a footballer. So you know, they they are back in light training apparently. So it must be mm. scary prospect for for other teams to think that once De Bruyne and Aguero are back and fit and firing, then that just adds so much more firepower to, to that team. Look, we've talked about him endlessly. Ruben Diaz has, has, has solved a massive problem in the back. That looks like the final piece in the jigsaw moving forward. And you've got to say, when you watch them play, they win games so easily. There's no no stress involved. You know, they're winning. I know, look, you can't sort of judge them last night because Swansea, with respect, they're a championship team. And I thought they played really well, Swansea. But... You know, Liverpool Sunday, they brushed aside Liverpool with ease, didn't they? I know Liverpool have got the problems at the minute, but hmm. they're the champions. It was a definitive result. I think they will go on now, City, and 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 be dominant again for the next two or three years. I really do. Can I they mean, win the treble this season again? I think they can win the quadruple. Do you? I think I just can't sit. Look, there's no, no one's perfect all the time, and they, look, they will lose a game, but. Hmm. Who's going to stop the, the, the running away with the title? There'd be eight points clear if they win the game in hand. So that's mm-hmm. going to take some. Will they win? Will they lose three league games? I just can't see that happening. So I fully expect them to go and win the title. They'll probably beat Tottenham in the Carabao Cup final. I just, I just can't see how Tottenham can contain City. They're too good. They've scored too many goals. Mm-hmm. Um, the one Achilles' heel, obviously, is the Champions League. Obviously, he's had a nightmare in that competition since he joined the club. And ultimately, that's why he was brought to the club to win to win the the big one. And that I think that's why he's still there. I think he's still got mm. a burning ambition to win that trophy. He's not won it for ten years now, which is astonishing, really, when you think how good a manager he is and what which teams he's managed in that period. And I think that's why he signed a new contract. He's got the team in place to go and do it. Whether it be this season, who knows? I mean, there's no home advantage for certain clubs, is there? This season mm. that might that might help him. They've got a comfortable looking tie in the next round. Obviously, they get through to the quarterfinals then you know strange things have happened haven't they he starts to act like a madman and make crazy team selections if he just keeps picking the, he just keeps picking like the real Jesus at left back yeah I think he just into it too much you, you know the last year was was horrendous what he what Alec panned out in, in um, Lisbon but listen if they won four trophies this season would you be surprised I mean it, it's never been done before but they're so good I mean, I think they're as good as that Barcelona team Guardiola had back in the noughties. I mean, they just play with so much patience and they just weigh you down with keeping the ball. There's no panicking in the team. 
it's, pace, it's basically patience and precision, and it's it's really I, can't, I just can't see who's going to stop them. I really can't. That no, no, I think that I, th- I do think they're wonderful. We, we, uh, I'm going to Matt before I come to you, just sort of taking another sort of uh, comment from 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 a viewer, Flash Gordon, who, who uh, I'm sure that's his real name, who's a Man United fan, um, but basically saying just look at John Stones now, also making the point, you know, we just touched on there about sort of kind of the um, you know will he change tactics in in the Champions League, Matt, the, the, the reinvention of John Stones. This season, obviously, didn't play. You know, sort of. Um, it, 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 you know, sort of. I mean, blimey, it doesn't sort of kind of didn't need him um, last night. But his his form alongside Diaz has been remarkable, hasn't it? And that's testament, isn't it, to to, to Guardiola? But City's patience in him, but also Diaz as a player. I mean, the, the reinvention of Stones. Wow. Well, it must be. Flash and I must have liked that, and you never see us in the same room together because as soon as you mentioned Diaz, uh, I thought as well, John Stones alongside him, how many managers would have sold him by now? Yeah. Um, he's consistently failed to be the centre-back leader that, that City wanted and signed him to become mm. um, until now. And he's had so many summers to say, right, no, let's go again. Uh, and he, he's shown faith in him, and and finally that's being repaid. Uh, and for as much as Diaz has done, it's the fact that he's working with Stones uh, that, that keeps all those goals out. Um, uh, and yeah, that just shows remarkable management, long term management that that he he's stuck with him. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, that's the foundation that they've built this fifteen game run on. You know, because Spurs and other teams can score four goals and still not win games. City know as soon as they've got a couple, they're they're over the line. Yeah, no, that's, it. that's the big difference, isn't it? That, that is the big difference. You, you know, I generally said there about them winning games comfortably, which they are, but that even it, it feels comfortable when they're only one nil or two nil up. Mm. You know, okay, okay, Liverpool got back to one each on Sunday, but for example, the games, you know, the game at home against was it um, Sheffield United, you, you know, you'd only won up for the entire game, but you, you never really felt they were going to lose it. And that's because mm. all of a sudden you've got a defense that just, you know, I mean, bear in mind they conceded five in one game. You know they conceded five in that 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 um, freakish um, defeat at home to Leicester. And apart yeah. from that, you know they're just not conceding goals, are they? No, no, no. I mean, the, the, uh, what has what has impressed me? The goalkeeper that, seems to have reined it in a bit, a little bit as well, doesn't he? You know, the goalkeeper is still, you know, he can still ping their fifty-yard passes and he can yeah. still do whatever. The one but thing he's, he's, done he's not I, doing I, I, I actually wonder. You know, you're touching a really good point there. That basically, uh, not for the first time, obviously, but basically the, the way I think they me- they they've measured almost balanced. Yes. Please don't get me wrong; they're not playing it long out the back. No, no, it's no, no. Almost no. as if they're yeah. sort of slightly tempered yes. the kind of complete Absolutely. total football from passing. Now, I love that. Tweak. I agree. I love the tweak that basically suddenly thought, no, I'm not going to have two sixes, basically, which is what they what they effectively went yeah. to. And you know, Rodri is getting the best out of Rodri at last. You know, and, oh, and, and I just think little things like that. You, you can see that the yeah. coaching in has really worked this season. I really also, like John. It. You've got to remember this is the first season they've had without David Silva. Yes, yeah. I mean, you thought how many pieces did you write saying how the heck do you replace a player like David Silva? Phil Foden, along yeah. you exactly. know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, he obviously. I wrote a piece what, about 18 months ago saying Foden should maybe should think about going out on loan somewhere mm. to just to boost his experience and um, get some game time under his belt. And, um, you know, obviously Guardiola knows far more 
than I do about football. But, oh, you know, he kept it's him. A big admission. Nurtured him. He obviously saw in him something that made him think oh. this guy can come. We, we, we yeah. won't miss David Silva because we've got Phil Foden. And this season, he's come into a world of his own. He's really matured as a player. And he's been exceptional, as proved on uh, Sunday after. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, Phil Foden, let's, let's, let's keep with that theme because... We're talking here, guys, aren't we, about about one of the best stars in Europe. Matt, I mean, you know, can it, it, the debate is no longer obviously about the squad. Uh, and then, let's be honest here, there was a debate. First, whether he gets in and then basically B, whether he gets back because of what happened in Iceland. Now the debate is, you know, not whether he starts as much as do you build a side around him. I mean, he's just, just amazing to watch, isn't he? At the moment, oh, he's an incredible player, and yeah, I think, I think he would have struggled for last summer, wouldn't he? Um, there would have no no real reason why he should have been in the Euro twenty twenty finals if it had taken place when they should have done. Yeah, um, and that's possibly going to work to England's advantage because in that twelve months, you know, he's been in, like you say, in and out, and I mean, there's no question he's going to be, you know, being all being well and him being fit, he's going to be in that squad. Mm. Um. And I don't think we need to build a team around him because he can play anywhere in any fashion. So you build your team and put him in it. But but I don't think you need to build a team around him per se because he's got so many uh, you know places where he can put, fit into a team. So you you build your team around Kane and um, Sterling, and Foden will fit into it wherever he wants to because he's that natural football player. Um, I think the three of us, Andy, didn't have this pleasure, I don't think, but speaking to Steve Cooper at the start of the week, yeah. I think it was fascinating. Odd man out, isn't he? Absolutely, <laughs> Andy. Um, but, uh, but no, I thought it was fascinating speaking to someone who worked with him that closely when he was younger. Uh, and there was an interesting tidbit I took from that was that he likened the goal he scored against Liverpool to the one he scored in that under-17 World Cup final. Mm. Uh, and so many people who've worked with him, and presumably Pep's the same, so, as Jeremy was just saying, have seen what he can do and just knew they had to wait for him to get just that much stronger, that much more experienced, and possibly that much more mature in terms of being able to do it week in, week out. That it was all going to come. Uh, and we're seeing what he was doing. You know, he was beating the world, you know, the best player in that tournament four years ago. Uh, and he can be the best player in this tournament this summer, you know, he's that good. Um, he's been schooled at a club, you know, he's come through a system at a club where he's, he's been training day in, day out with world-class players mm. like Brian, David Silva, you know, you could, you could reel off a dozen names. So, you know, and he's, he's now coming through and flourishing. And yeah. the issue for Southgate is, I know he can probably play in numerous positions for him. He's that good, but if he keeps this form up between now and the Euros, he has to start him. Mm in the Euros, but who makes way? I mean, you've got, you've got Rashford, you've got Kane, you've got Sterling, you've got Sancho. It's, it's, it's so many attacking options open to Southgate, really. It's going to be, a, we're back to the pickle. It's going to be a pickle. What to do with Foden? He has to play him. Where do you play him? It certainly is. It certainly is a massive pickle, actually. I just wanted to, before we move on to to another issue completely, uh, I, I've got to say I'm indebted to um, to Jeremy this week for, for writing out the schedule, really. And on it here, he's basically written off the FA Cup. Let's be honest here. Jeremy. That was me. That's what, that, oh, it was you. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, that was my, my, my sole contribution to Jeremy's schedule. 
basically, sorry, sorry. Oh, I might have known it. Forgive me, Jeremy. Forgive me. But, uh, <laughs> he loves the FA Cup, just like you. <laughs> well, good. I mean, it says here, step too far, the FA Cup in midweek. We can live without replays. We can live without with, with the semis at Wembley. We can live with the finals tea time kickoff. But a whole round in midweek is strictly Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's my column you just read. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I cannot disagree with you more. I, I mean, I just think that the, 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 the midweek round has is, is brought a, a unique style to it, memories, and going straight to penalties. You know, they've got that threat. We've yet to have one yet, by the way, but let's see. And it's just, I don't, are you not enjoying the sudden death drama of it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a unique that. season. It's unprecedented season. The FA Cup is just playing into that. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure that we killed it. I just think it strengthened the FA Cup, in my view. Well, I've just said all, all those things. Do I like it going straight to extra time rather than replays? Yes. Would I like it to go to penalties? Yes. I say, am I bothered about semi-finals at Wembley? No. Am I bothered about half past five kickoff in a final? No. But I just think to have a whole round of fixtures in midweek is a step too far. It's one sacrifice that the FA have made to the Premier League that is too much. They're an afterthought. I'll tell you what games get played in midweek. Carabao Cup games, Papa John's Pizza Trophy or Johnson Paints or Freight Rover or whatever they call it nowadays. That's what gets played in midweek. Anglo-Italian games, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anglo-Scottish from the day past. They're the games that get played in midweek. Northern section, southern section. Not not blue-chip FA Cup ties, Everton versus Spurs, Manchester United versus West Ham. And, you know, they're an afterthought. Not especially when you've got so many Premier League games now taking place in midweek, and it just blurs into one. I just genuinely think the FA Cup should always have a weekend of its own. Simple as that. And, you know, this will just be the start. Maybe another round will go to, you know, uh, midweek. Maybe the third round that, that, mm-hmm. that we all know and love to be that weekend in January, that'll go. I just think that basically, to me, it's just midweek fixtures are for those type of games. Or maybe even, you know, and then they may be for European games. But I think the FA Cup, as a standalone event, eight prestige ties that we've got, some cracking ties, have just basically been... Sort of relegated to the uh, subordinate clause on the calendar. And as I say, we've seen games as good as Everton Spurs and as memorable as Everton Spurs was. We've had three or four, you know, games that just will, you know, live for seconds in the memory and that's it. Can I offer no, some no. evidence to back Andy's point up? Well done, no. mate. No. Yes, yesterday, no. well, I'm going to anyway. Um, yesterday, um, Tuesday night, uh, in my house, uh, my wife's always the barometer of, of what, common senses and everything else and what's right in the world. Well, um, that's we, no surprise to anyone, is it? Turn, yeah, turns on the television, where's Holby City? Uh, I said, oh, no, it's... Uh, You're playing Swansea away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the FA Cup this week. She said, but it's a Tuesday. Why are they playing the FA Cup on a Tuesday? Why, that's at the weekend, isn't it? Uh, and that's somebody, you know, has a passing interest in football. And to her mind, um, it's... Uh, it's some, uh, FA Cup games are one games are played at the weekend, and to upset her even more, when Holby City was on on Wednesday, we obviously watched the Everton Spurs game because there's a rule occasionally in my own household. And then when that went to extra time, it meant it was too late to watch Holby afterwards. So, uh, so yeah. Mate, so uh, all I say is on, on this: if that's right. not a, a commanding reason to put the FA no, Cup back, at the, the game is gone. The game is well and truly gone. If you you are filling your evenings watching Holby City. I mean, there was well, enough fallout on social media with Mrs. Brown's boys getting going by the wayside because well, the game went to extra time. 
You what, sorry? What league did Holby City play? Holby City. <laughs> very good. But very, very John, good. I mean, seriously. There's only one TV show to watch at the I, moment, I, guys, and that's night, it's a sin. I mean, night. you know, if you're not watching that, watch it. All right. Last night, I didn't feel like I was watching an FA Cup game. I thought I was watching a Premier League game. Of course. It, it, it's, it, I, and, and, wrong with that? Half past five what on a Wednesday night, an right. FA Cup game FA on a coach. FA Cup games should be on weekends. Absolutely. But, you know, tradition, I suppose, has gone out the window because of COVID. So for, for one season, maybe two, we might have to just suck it up and accept it. But, yeah. you know, and I disagree with Dunny. I don't think semi-finals should be at Wembley. I think it should be on yeah, Newport no. I think the Yeah, final- no, I agree. I agree, I, I, I agree I but agree I, I, I can just I can stomach that. But, and- I agree with you. No, I agree. Right, guys, we, we are going to move on to, to another issue which has oh. is really um, dominated, and it's, it's across a, a few spheres, this one, really. We're going to start with the shocking abuse of Mike Dean. Um, you know, I mean, really, the fallout uh, uh, was so great. Um, from what we have to say was an error in sending out, uh, sending off Thomas Suchek was so great that Mike Dean, one of the most, you know, recognisable, one of the most, you know, experienced uh, officials, has asked to be taken off because of you know death threats on on on, on social media and and on the on, on the web, has asked to be taken off the Premier League match list for this weekend. I mean, what has be, what has become of it? And we're also seeing, you know, more abuse of players. You know, I was shocked to, to 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 read this morning. You know, that one of the Swansea players was was abused following the game, and sort of Swansea have condemned that this morning. You know, police are investigating abuse of Bristol Rovers player. The, you know, the FA charged yesterday. Um, uh, you know, Jan Sonogo. Um, uh, you know, following a game between uh, Morecambe and Rochdale when homophobic abuse, you know, is slightly different during the game, but, you know, well worth highlighting, frankly, because because of the way it's creeping in. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I mean, where do we go with this? I mean, Instagram have reacted, you know, yesterday. I think the FA have tried, are sort of trying to clamp down. Is enough, is enough being done by the social media? Companies, the players, and perhaps even if they would argue not, it's a start, I guess. But is there enough being done, guys? No, is the simple answer, in my opinion. I mean, look, that you see these social platforms. This has been going on for years. Let's not mm. be around the bush. All right, it comes and goes. It seems to come and go in waves, and we're unfortunately we're having another spate of all this despicable abuse, whether it's racist abuse or general abuse in general, but they, these social media firms, what's, what, how is the, what is the vetting procedure for someone who wants to set up an account? You've got to look at that for starters probably mm. and say, look, you can set up an account on social media and you don't have to give your passport details, anything like that, your home address even. So, so these people can hide behind this curtain and do say what they want to anyone they choose and they can't be traced. I mean, you can't, we can't, surely, mm. this is 2021, we can't surely live in a world where these people cannot be traced. And that responsibility is down to the police and the social media companies. But these social media companies, they're not doing enough and that they seem to put profits before principles, really. And I think it's disgraceful. I mean, you know, Mike Dean is all right, he's made a couple of mistakes, but who doesn't go through their working life not making a mistake? You know, and you know, it's a societal problem, that's isn't it? Really, I mean, you know, we all get abuse on social media. It's not highlighted because we're not famous people, so we should be grateful that these footballers are actually standing up to these people, yes. and highlighting it and exposing them. 
But that's a futile exercise unless something changes. Mm. But we live in a racist society. That's just a fact. And, you know, we've seen people taking the knee and was great as that is, it's not. It's clearly not making a difference to these people who still think it's acceptable to live in a world where the colour of someone's skin is an issue. It's it's unbelievable. No, I agree. I mean, Andy, I don't know your thought on it. I don't know how on earth we can tackle it. I mean, one, one incident that was highlighted to me last week about the complexities of dealing with it um, was... was uh, Neil, the Brighton striker Neil Mopay, mm-hmm. um, you know, was abused last season, um, and it, they traced it. Basically, the Premier League, with with cooperation from the police, were able to trace it, and they trace it to to, to kind of one individual in Singapore, and yes. then basically, you know, are able to take action action against that. But it just shows that it's to me that highlights the scale of the problem. That I think that basically, you know, let's not let's not kid ourselves here. A lot of you know. Fans, you know, or so-called supporters are doing it uh, to abuse players from here. But basically, yeah. once you're talking about a global issue, that's the scale of the problem. But even so, you know, are we doing enough? Uh, are we supporting yeah. enough? Are, are we? Are we? Are we in anywhere close to get, tackling this issue? No, I mean, I can only I can only reiterate everything that Jeremy says. I, t- I totally agree with all that. I think, I, I, but I think the complexity of the issue clearly is that you mentioned there. This one was traced back to someone, you know, a long way away. Um, whatever you don't know, you don't actually, and that's the whole point. You don't actually know who half these people are. You know, you don't know, and you, you just don't know. You don't know their demographic. You don't know the kids. You don't know if they're, you know, uh, people pranksters. You don't know if they're from where they're from. You actually, you know, don't know, and there must be a way of tracing that back. Having said that, you know, I, I am slightly, I, you know, this idea that, that we do, everything's out there. You register for an account, you give up your details and whatever. You know, that that's I, I am quite uneasy with that. You know, I, I think there has to be a, you know, do, do you want to be traced by everyone everywhere? You know, I, I, in this day and age when we are all surrendering um, a lot of our personal freedoms, our personal liberties, mm. in terms of information about ourselves. Then I'm a little bit weary of saying, well, well, actually, you know, this has to be run um, on a strictly. We know who everyone is. We know everything about everyone, where they live, mm-hmm. what they do, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure, you know. I, so, so it's not. I don't think it, it, it's a cut and dried sort of process. I, there must be complexities to this process. Does it have to stop? Yes, clearly, no one wants it to happen. Um, should you know if they if they can trace back as you would have thought they can the perpetrators. And brought to some justice, then clearly that should happen. No one would, no one would argue that. Mm. But I just think it probably is a little bit more complex than than than, than we first think in trying to stop this. And as I say, the bottom line is you actually don't know who are because because the whole idea of people hiding behind this the levels of anonymity that you can actually get on social media. I'm not sure they're that great, but, the, but but on the basic levels of anonymity you can get, then we don't know who these type of people are who are sending these mm. things. And we don't know if there's an element. I mean, clearly you said it sort of comes in waves. I mean, clearly there's a, clearly there's some form of copycat element to this, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the clearly is it happens and it happens and then, and then, and then it goes again. People complain about it and people say, and people, some smart Alex somewhere thinks, well, I'll do it and that'll get headlines as well. And, and it clearly is, mm. Something along those lines. So I do think, and there's, there's a whole broader issue about this as well. I mean, it's a massive issue. The Mike Dean thing, for example, 
you know, it's and this, we're all to blame as well. We all we all fall into this category. Well, when I say to blame, in inverted commas, Mike Dean, you know, in, in the immediate wake of Mike Dean's decision, and and you say it's an error. Strictly speaking, it's, it's not an error um, that he sent Thomas Suchek off. You know, um, it's it, it, uh, it's a strict interpretation of the letter of the law, which everyone got upset mm. about. But that's it. You know, I mean, did he elbow him in the face? Well, yes. That's the bottom line. Is you can't argue with that. He did. So yeah, I, I don't think he made an error. But that's a whole different subject, and I think Mike Dean's been hung out to drive by, by, by the authorities, basically by the FA. However, going back to it, in the immediate aftermath of, um, of, of his decision to send off Thomas Sujek, the reaction on social media from nearly every, well, from virtually every single commentator, ex-player, prominent guys and mm-hmm. girls and, and whatever, ex-commentators, uh, commentators, ex-players, ex-managers, was basically to absolutely destroy Mike Dean on yeah. social media. And yeah. they, you know, it was a terrible decision. Take a look at himself. He's more interested about himself. And this was coming from respectable pillars of, of, of the football commentariat, as so to speak. Yeah. And then, okay, they're not threatening him. They're not making any threats towards him. But then when the threats do come, the same people are up in arms saying, this is a disgrace, this shouldn't happen, it's outrageous. Well, hang on a minute. The tone was sort of set by people, and then they'll say, well, it was just a fair comment on a decision. Well, maybe, maybe. But a lot of that initially was basically, Mike Dean's made this decision because, you, you know, he loves himself and, and that's a typical thing. So I just do think, and that's where it becomes a complex sort of grey area. Basically, the tone of anti-Mike Dean feeling was set in the immediate aftermath of the Thomas Sujek dismissal, which was, by the letter of the law, perfectly permissible. I mean, mm. you know, there's no... I, I, I don't think he should have been sent off. And I think Mitrovic was a disgrace for what he did. But I do yeah. know one thing. I do know that Mitrovic, Thomas Suchek, Antti Martial, Jan Benderek, they'll all be playing this weekend. None of them received death threats. And none of them have had to take the weekend off. And they would have fought culpable people in those two incidents, not my thing. But then, and that's, I say that's another story. But I do think that, that tone was set. So it's no one was threatening him with death. Um but, you, you know, I just sometimes it may be, you know, we probably include ourselves in this. Yeah, when, I, I, when, I agree. When we're posting you. criticism I, of people, you yeah. know, that's okay. It might not be, you know, the vile abuse that, that, that some people get. Yeah. But you are basically setting the tone, and the tone was set absolutely yeah. in an instant from, from that two check incident. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I must okay. say, it's a, great, it's a great point. We are effectively opening the floodgates there mm. by, by issuing an open invitation. If, if 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 people were outraged and journalists were outraged about the kind of the Leeds <laughs> issue about sort of taking taking the mickey out of a female pundit, well, <laughs> aren't they doing the same, you know, yes. with, with Mike Dean? It's a, it's a great yes. point. I couldn't agree absolutely. more. I, you, I, listen, I, I, when, when Mike Dean went over to the... Um, the the monitor um, for the at Old Trafford and the the Marshall um, penalty wasn't it for the Marshall penalty yeah. I went over and, and he came over and I I, I to, you know, my instinct I tweet I sent tweet I'd say Mike Dean just going over to look at himself on telly yeah <laughs> and I thought it was very funny and and oh great got a few likes and I thought that's funny and then later on, I'm thinking you know what that was out of order I mean it, yeah. it was it, it was off the court it was, I thought it was quite amusing at the time but. It sets that tone. You know, yeah. it was wrong of I me mean, to do that anyway, because it sets that tone to so all the all the gifts or memes or whatever you call them of Mike Dean sort of you know, I mean they, and, and they are let's face it, you know, I'm not I've had the sense of humor failure. They are all quite amusing and they are all quite funny, but in a way it just sets the whole 
you know, anti-Mike Dean sort of bandwagon, as it wasn't, didn't have any momentum in the first place, it became unstoppable. Now, I'm not saying a natural progression of that should be death threats and abuse, yeah. but when it happens, we shouldn't be that surprised. No, no, I agree. I agree. I just wanted to touch on one one comment, Matt, before I come to you, which was from Stuart O'Brien, which was basically saying that, you know, racism doesn't only happen to black footballers. It is definitely not right that it happens to anyone at all. And and he, I think he's he's actually spot, absolutely spot on there because, I mean, it's, you know, it's happening to officials. It, you know, it's happening, I think, in the sense of homophobia. I think that anti-Semitism is something that I, I get on my high horse about quite a lot, simply because I think it's very prevalent in London football. No one's interested, no one at all. And I, it really, really annoys me. And I'm not, you know, not playing one form of abuse off against the other. But I do I do think that we've got quite a wide scale issue here Matt haven't we that I, I just don't know how we begin to to tackle and finish we, we certainly do on the racism side of things but uh, but one final point on that Mike Dean thing um, Twitter was founded on well I think we do on all but there you go anyway yeah, yeah. Tw- Twitter was founded on the 21st of March 2006 there are people listening to this uh, podcast or whatever however they're listening um, who haven't heard of Anders Frisk mm who a year before Twitter was founded decided he couldn't carry on being a referee because of death threats he got um, after a Barcelona-Chelsea game. You look up, up on Wikipedia, he's listed as a Swede- Swedish insurance salesman. He's 57 years old. He should have been refereeing uh, a couple of seasons ago still, hanging up his whistle finally then. That horrible element of people who sometimes think that it's fair game to have an attack on referees has existed long in the game. We didn't learn the lessons then. Mm. That was fired up by some comments from some accusations by our good friend Jose Mourinho, mm. which turned out not to be true. Um, but we, but everyone lumped in on it uh, and drove a, a perfectly you know respectable man out of the, the job he loved. Uh, and now he's doing another job, which I'm sure he's found a, a way to love as well, selling insurance. Um, but but that's the shame of it is we've affected time. That's before Twitter was even invented. Um, so social media is just the, the weapon that people use these days. It, it's got to change in the mindset. And the, the one thing about social media is it puts it all out there in the open. Like mm. we say, it shows how it develops from commentators saying inappropriate things, uh, from commenters, from pundits, from ourselves. Uh, and it, that gets extrapolated by, by fans and then turned nasty and dark and um, inhuman by, by those of that mentality. And we've got to change that mentality because that's the poisonous, the really poisonous stuff. And at the same time, use it as a wake-up call for ourselves. But um, And that's just on the football side of things. As you touched upon at the end, the racism is another societal problem, which is bigger. We've discussed it quite a lot on this program, um, sadly, because it's often cropped up. Mm. Um, but but either way, I think we before we start saying, oh, it's social media, let's start looking at ourselves a bit more and say, well, actually... Am I guilty of this a little bit, whether I'm meant to be or not? Mm. Because yeah. you know, uh, you know, because the people who send these death messages, they know who they are. They're mm. the ones who are in the wrong. So let's so let's start targeting them. I think we need to accept, actually, as sad as it is, sad as sad it is to say, we may always live in a world where we have prejudicial people, bigot, bigots, racists. I mean, it's an educational thing. And I know Gareth South, we've spoken to Southgate about it. So it's about these people being educated, but you know, how do you educate 
millions and millions of people who think it think it's this is this is okay to behave like this. You you can't, can you? So we made listen. The fight will go on, and so it should. You never want to see it stop, but. The bottom line is we may we may never it may be a battle we'll, we'll never win. Yeah, no, no, I agree with. Listen, guys, I want to. Uh, w- we did start late, so I just want to kind of wrap, rattle through a couple of last uh, l- last issues. Um, one was one was I thought a really good talking point: the relegation scrap, and we'll throw these in together, just because I look at it and I think that basically West Brom. Have they made a mistake in appointing Big Sam? And, and you thought they did when they started, but mm. where are they? I mean, they haven't gone any further forward. And and also on on here, it's just about Palace. You know, are they getting dragged into it now? You know, basically, what 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 happens with Roy Hodgson at the end of the season? He's you know basically he's seventy three, and yeah, you know, is he perhaps coming towards the end? I mean, I, I actually think that Hodgson does a terrific job for, for Crystal Palace, and has done again this season. Uh, when you consider what, what what he's up against, but you know that that's my, that's my view on it. Who, who perhaps wants to take this one? Matt, I think as, as a friend of Sam, and, and, and listen, I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly mention. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I just I just hope I don't hope the Palace get dragged into it, but I do hope that that, that it becomes a relegation battle and not just a a fate accompanied that those three teams at the bottom now go down. That's why I would like to see Fulham turn those draws into wins. That's why I'd like to see Big Sam actually. You know, work some old magic uh, to the Hawthorns. I can't see it happening. You know, to be perfectly, to be perfectly frank. So, and you know, Sheffield United have won a few games. They've won what across all competitions? Mm. Uh, is it five out of the last eight? Something like that. I, I can't remember. But it, it, they, they've won a few games. So, I just would like it to become. I, I mean, just for the sake of, um, of the Premier League, I would like it to become a, um, a four-way, five-way, six-way battle for the, for, for the relegation. So the reason why I'd like that is because I think that if that isn't the case. And the, and the bottom three become um, cast adrift. What you'll get then is a, is six or seven or eight sides who are safe, yeah. but have nothing to play for in terms of European spots. Who will essentially go through the motions in the last dozen games of the season? I think there's a real danger of that. I've seen it. I think occasionally I've seen teams do that now because there's no crowd. So if you've got no crowd um, and you're not going to go down and you're not going to get a European place, then the motivation levels are very low. And I think you may see a few of those games. I think me and Jeremy were at Burnley Man City the other day. And, you know, Burnley probably think they're not going to go down. They certainly didn't think they could beat Man City. They certainly don't think they're going to get into Europe. And really, it was pretty much a going through the motions um, exercise, mm-hmm. not conceding too many. And I think you might get more of those. That's why I would like there to be some jeopardy for Palace, some jeopardy for, I don't know, Newcastle. Um, you know, some jeopardy for the other teams around around that area. But I fear that the bottom three might be cast adrift. Yeah, we do need a bit of jeopardy. Mm. Gu- guys, let's let's go on to the last item here. It is Valentine's weekend. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have got lots of romantic plans for Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, Grossi, I, I, I'm, I'm with. And listen, and who can oh, want, I, I think I'm with you, right. West Brom. Oh, we no. are together. We are we together for Valentine's Day. And if there's anyone who's together. got a lot of love to spread, it's we, we you, are. Mate. We are going to have a, a socially distanced big hug, virtual, oh, virtual hug, and it's it's going to be beautiful. Mate. I've got my red rose. If you can save a bit of love of your love for the FA Cup, for Pep, for City, for your wife, obviously. 
I'll, I'll be I'll be grateful. It'll, it'll be gone by two o'clock by kickoff. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I, I hope we get a good game. You know, I was thinking about. Sorry, I, I literally cannot wait to see you. It's so nice. It'll be fantastic, Bob. But football. I, I was I was thinking about Valentine's and. Was anyone there, Jen? Were you there when uh, the most memorable game on Valentine's Day was a Manchester derby in the FA Cup when Gary Neville got sent off? Does anyone remember that? Yeah. It was about 15 years ago. Do you remember it was a headbutt or one of the world's worst headbutts on Steve McManaman? <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you remember? And not only did he, not only did he headbutt Steve McManaman, he, I remember, I think United won 4-2 and he was brought down, well, he looked as though he was brought down Gary Neville in the box, didn't he? And, and, and he didn't get a penalty. He sort of, he sort of started punching the floor, didn't he? Sort of like, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in his frustration and sort of stroppiness. And then and I, I think it was Inter McMahon went over and sort of basically told him to behave. And he sort of half-nutted Steve yeah, It was like a Barnsley kiss. It was, it was like It was like an elderly edge kiss, was it? It was like a Cheshire kiss, you know what I mean? It wasn't exactly a Glasgow or a Kirby kiss, so. was it? It was definitely <laughs> a bit but like... I'm, I mean, in fact, my man didn't even go down. I mean, I mean like, you know. I just started and, laughing. And who was the referee? I think it was Jeff Winter. I was going to say uh, Henry Winter. I think it was Jeff Winter. And <laughs> and he sent him off. But Henry only, always brings me a lollipop, so, you know. But, but, not, only, but not only did, um, not only did um, he send him off, but I think he gave him a red card and then, if memory serves me right, did he change? I, I didn't know. I think he sent him off and then gave me a yellow card after the red. Is that possible? I think he gave me. I think he gave me a yellow card for diving, and a red card, a straight red for being sent off. I'm sure he did. Only because, well, I hope he did because I remember. I remember. I'm not. Blown up, but I remember. I wasn't the only one to write that. That who would have thought it? Gary Neville got two cards on Valentine's Day. <laughs> And I'm not sure Gary was, was, I don't know, I don't know whether he was happy or not, but I remember that was one of the great, one of the great Valentine's Day. And actually City went on to, um, City went on to, uh, oh no, United won that game 4-2 in the end. Yeah. With 10 men. I was going to say, United, United Derby was still at a stage when United could win those derbies with 10 men. Well, to be fair, Season. Yeah, to be fair, I think I'm actually I think that was 15 years ago, and I actually think right. that that made it something like 30 years without winning at Old Trafford for City. Wow, I really do. Amazing. So anyway, so let's hope you know we we get some good stuff on Valentine's Day. Absolutely, yeah. let's have Jeremy, everyone write on. Valentine's Day masking on it. <laughs> Very good, Jeremy. Valentine's Day. <laughs> Who's spreading the love this, well, in the Premier this, League? Who have you loved most so far, apart from me? I've loved watching City because I think they're an amazing team. You can't not fall in love with that football. My also, my love is also going out to the pundit Mika Richards this season. I think he's been a great pundit. Yeah. A real good addition to the to the TV. Um Leeds lad, obviously, so he's a, obviously a good bloke. Um, <laughs> Clearly. Uh, I just think he's he's very insightful, but he brings a lot of humour to it. He doesn't take oh. himself too seriously. He can yeah. have a laugh. You know, he's not intimidated by sitting opposite Sunderson, Roy Keane, like most some pundits have been down the years. So, my respects going out to Mika. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I tell you what, I, I find it really annoying that some people have seen it as, as almost detrimental yeah. to his punditry to highlight his laugh and the way that he laughs and yeah. his humour, as if he's too, you know, as if it's too basically simplistic. In these times, right, Mika Richards, when I've watched it. 
Yeah. I, I like him anyway as a pundit, and I think he always comes across as such a top bloke. Yeah. You know? yeah and yeah. basically, you know, he's also in touch with the dressing room, basically. Yeah. I like that. I do think pundits only have a certain shelf life simply because you lose that connection with, with the dressing room. But what I love most about Micah Richards is his laugh. His laugh yeah. is so infectious. Yeah. If you can't get, you know, if you can't laugh along with Micah Richards' laugh, well, there's, frankly, there's something wrong. And frankly, we need more of that. I just, just think that basically it's brilliant. He's just, just himself, isn't he? Yeah. And, you know, got a lot of time for people who just don't change. They just, just are themselves. I mean, he's not long retired as well, so he's a modern-day yes. pundit. You know, he's a, young guy. he's a young guy still, so he has a different view on things. He's undone. He played at a high level, you know, played for England, should have won so many more caps for England. Yeah. I just think he's great to watch. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Completely out of left field and absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll tell you what, you send the card and I'll send the chocolates, all right. Uh, Matt? Well, um, this Valentine's Day, my, my football love is going to go to to all those people who are, are working so hard behind the scenes to get football on for us to watch. Um, it's something that probably needs to be said. Uh, it's not a particularly exciting one, but but it's the stewards and, and the people who I've, I don't know how you guys have experienced, but everyone's been so up for it. So, you know, even in the cold weather and whatever, they've been just really cheerful and delighted to be there helping us to get football on. Uh, so it's, it's the guys around the stadiums, yeah, around around the whole of you know, football that in these times when when it is difficult for everybody, you know, we are stuck out in the cold. You know, there's, it feels like a lot more humanity around football grounds at the moment. Uh, and I think we owe our, particularly as journalists, we owe our thanks to those people uh, and a little bit of footballing love, I think. Matt, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that's a that it's a great, great shout. And honestly, the, the, the achievement from the clubs and the league to get games on, to mm. keep the, inter, the the nation entertained on some level, is remarkable. And and you know, a huge part of that is is obviously the match day staff who, who, who look after us, but look after you know the, the running of the games and so on. I feel as as if like basically I've done a lot of Spurs games recently because it's obviously been New Zealand's White Hart Lane, and I feel like I've struck up a friendship with one of the car park stewards. She's absolutely lovely, you know. <laughs> it's, it's great, you know. That's it's sort cool. of uh, it's so so nice to sort of be welcomed with a smile, you know. So so. Um, Upset that I didn't see I know, George, like, my one of my favourite stewards at Swansea yesterday, who gives you you know the most incredible welcome at, at the car park at Swansea normally. And it's just brilliant, and so I miss miss people like that so much. But the people you're so spot on that basically you miss people, you know, so much that the, the regular faces really do. I'm, no, when, when your car park space goes at spares, when everyone's back, pal, you, no. that'll, be, that'll be a brief friend. Well, I'll, 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 I'll miss that. Our, our relationship will, 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 will sadly die then, obviously. Exactly. Then I'll just, miss no, just, we'll you miss know, parking underneath, beneath the Emirates or parking at the front door or whatever. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when I drive into the Emirates, it's like, you know, he's getting a hero. whole new world, world isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's like, absolutely astonishing, you know. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I do actually, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Oh, here comes John Cross, and it's just like <laughs> get waved in. It's like heroes. Oh dear, it's fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And the people, honestly, and the weather has been shocking. And there they are, and it's like you know, just feel for them so much, and they're doing an, a, an amazing job. Really, are oh, you know? Yeah. 
Just yeah. just quickly, Cross, cool. I did my first one of the Emirates in lockdown the other week, Arsenal Man United. And also, once you park up, you go in, you have that walk behind the goal, don't you? Yeah. That walk right behind the goal. I mean, you must stop every time and imagine you're gonna you're heading in a last minute winner, mustn't you? <laughs> I would have well, thought, but in your case, making a last-minute penalty saves. Well, you off. far be it from me to regale <laughs> the story of me playing in a sort of a, in a in a in a press team and and you know winning a trophy at the Emirates, Andy. No, no, no. I, I, I couldn't. Was that the last poss- trophy they won there? Was that the only trophy? I oh, no, they won there. I couldn't possibly. Save it for a book, pal. Yeah. yeah, show you the picture on the wall. Yeah, but save it for a book, pal. Right, <laughs> guys. Really appreciate it. We've had a laugh as, as ever and tackled some 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 big issues as well. So, uh, no, really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for everyone uh, watching on and listening in. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for your company. Always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon. 